Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here in Connecticut. Rahul, I know you've had a very, very exciting few days. You're probably the best Chelsea podcast out there right now. <laughs> at least that's that's how I look at it, being part of this podcast. Uh, you met Ashley Cole. You've got to hold the Champions League trophy. Tell us about your experiences. It's been a good week, my friend. It started off on Wednesday night with a little event that Chelsea were hosting here in New York City. Uh, and so that's when I got to take the picture with the trophy. Uh, and on Friday night, I was lucky enough to be part of the New York City Blues and the Fairfield County Blues supporter groups uh, who were in, again, New York City meeting with Ashley Cole. That is exciting because he is one of, if not the best left back to ever grace the Premier League. Shout out to Ben Chilwell. I think he's coming up there, but he's still young. But wow, what an opportunity to meet one of the world's best left backs, huh? Definitely. He was gracious. He was... Uh, everything you'd expect him to be as a Chelsea legend. And um, he answered a bunch of questions. And I have some videos that, you know, we'll throw up on our Instagram later in the week. But definitely a, a great experience and a great way to kick off the weekend. Uh, and we'll get into some of the other things that happened uh, this weekend. Yeah, so for our listeners there, I think Rahul is going down on his Cole meetings. He's met <laughs> Joe Cole in person now. He's going to That's Ashley right. Cole. Uh, maybe Carlton Cole next. I don't know. <laughs> but no, look, that's exciting. That's great. You know, shout out to New York Blues and Fairfield, Connecticut Blues as well, because that's exciting for them. And good for you to be part of a community of just Chelsea people through and through. It's always nice to have those things hosted. And Ashley, if you ever listen to us, because I know you said we're the best podcast out there, maybe we can have you on sometime in the future. Uh, but let's move on, Rahul. Like you said, it was a good opening to a weekend and then quickly was a sour opening after that. We'll start with the Chelsea women this time, and typically you said this before, they save our weekend, but this weekend wasn't the case, was it? Unfortunately, it was not. Uh, they started the weekend, like you said, they had an early morning kickoff, at least here uh, in the U.S. I think it was 5.30 a.m. for you. Um, they went away to face Reading, uh, and I mean, on paper, this is a Chelsea win. Uh, you know, Chelsea and Reading little bit of a difference in terms of points and, and positions on the table. Uh, but it seems like, and I mentioned this in the last episode, that Chelsea seemed to be suffering from a little bit of the FA Cup uh, victory hangover. Uh, and I don't mean based on the celebrations. I just mean uh, they put in a lot of effort, a lot of preparation into that game. Uh, and it seems like we're kind of now recovering from it. And it's not been easy. We've had Juventus and we had Reading. So uh, we lose this game 1-0, but some of those stats, and I know you'll share those with us, show that we dominated this game from start to the finish. Yeah, the only way I can summarize this, Rahul, is I think the December Blues are slowly <laughs> creeping in from the men's team to the women's team. I mean, we went from dominating Juventus and nothing to show for it, and again, dominating against Reading, but this time taking the loss. And like you said, stats-wise, it's incredible. We took 34 shots wow. to Reading's four, but... Unfortunately, only got five on target and Reading had one on target. And guess what? It was the goal that goes in. Again, possession-wise, 77 to 23%. Strung together 594 passes to Reading's 179. And it's it's just incredible because you, you don't know where to go from here. Uh, hangover, December blues, just too many games going on. I don't know. But both the men and women seem to be kind of struggling at this point in time. 
Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? It's it's not your day, it's not your day, and I guess this clearly from the stats, at least, and um, from you know some of the highlights that I've seen, it really wasn't our day. And we had the likes of Sam Kerr out there. We had Jess Fleming. Uh, we had Beth England uh, and Leopolds and Anderson and and all the other guys that are, are are girls that are in there. And on any other day, one of them pops up and and gets one goal. And when Chelsea women get one goal, you almost expect them to get a second one. But it doesn't happen. We can't get too stuck up on it. Uh, we've got another big game coming up in the Champions League where we at least need a point to qualify, uh, or at least solidify a position in that group. So. Uh, can't get stuck up on these results. These things will happen throughout the season. Uh, it's really how we bounce back from that. And from everything we've seen uh, with this group, uh, they always bounce back and find a way to put things right. Yeah, well summarized. We won't hang up too much on it. Just no cause for alarm just yet. Just something to pay attention to. And we look forward to the next few games coming up for them. And hopefully they can bounce back quicker than ever. Uh, let's talk about the men's side now, and we'll jump into Chelsea versus Leeds. Dirty Leeds. We put up a little post on Instagram where they seem to be coming up with the fiery tackles and the heated tackles. And Leeds are going through some difficult times themselves for a whole a few injuries, not necessarily their full-strength squad. So on paper, again, while it is Dirty Leeds, I think Chelsea have the class to come through. Let's go through the lineups first, and then we can kind of dissect the game. So why don't you walk us through the starting eleven? So Edward Mendy back in goal after he was rested uh, against Zenit, Aspilicueta, Thiago Silva, and Rudiger, like we had predicted in the back three. Uh, Reese James, Loftus-Cheek, who was back after he missed out as well. Uh, Jorginho was back as well, and, and we do know that he is still not 100%, but uh, he is playing. Alonso at left wing back, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner. So if I'm right, I think we predicted everything but the Havertz we had predicted Lukaku. <laughs> Yeah, so let's dissect that part of the, the starting lineup, right? We'll start ahead with the, the starting lineup. Lukaku for you or Havertz for you? How do you feel about this starting lineup with a false nine again? I mean, I personally would have liked to see Lukaku play, uh, but I do know he's still coming back from injury, you could say, and, and, and uh, Tuchel's managing his minutes. He did start against Zenit, and I think he played about 70 to 80 minutes. Uh, so maybe it was too soon to see him play again. And and I think that might have been the thinking. Again, with Havertz, we do tend to have that understanding between the front three like we've spoken about in the past. Uh, so I'm not too stuck up on it. But personally, I would have liked to see uh, Lukaku get at least start the game. You know, especially in a game like this, Rahul, where I, I keep saying dirty leads, to be fair to all the listeners, they're not necessarily a dirty team or, or a bad team, but they are a physical team. They do come out with a lot of strength, a lot of force, a lot of running. You would hope that having that Lukaku presence up front early on would set the tempo or set the expectation of the game that as far as the defense for leads goes, they have to be aware right. there's a big guy here that's physical, that's strong, that's going to bully us, pay a little more attention to it because Kai Havertz tends to drift in and out of games depending on how the opposition plays. If they mark him a little too tight, he kind of floats around to the corners. If they're faster than him, he kind of floats out of the game, for lack of a better word. And so missed seeing Lukaku, missed seeing that focal point. Yes, we can play with a false nine. Yes, they've played together for the best part of eight months now, and so they know each other. But I, for one, would definitely like to have seen Lukaku in there but let's talk about Loftus-Cheek Rahul he was touch and go in the last game injured but good to see him back in the middle right yeah good to see him back because we saw in the Zenit game when he's out with all the other injuries and, and absences we've got 
were really short in that position. So it was good to see someone that at least uh, is recognized and knows how to maneuver in, in, you know, in the middle of that park. And Jorginho coming back, I think the two of them have now played four or five consecutive games. Uh, so they seem to be developing some kind of understanding and way of playing. And, and Jorginho, for his part, was just sitting deeper and, and kind of connecting things. And Loftus-Cheek was the one going up and down. So, right. no, definitely good to see. And, I mean, we've spoken about this with some of the other guys in the squad that haven't been taking their opportunities. And with Loftus-Cheek, it's, yes, there are injuries, but he's almost stepped up and said, I deserve to, to be playing. Yeah, well said. And, you know, speaking of injuries, talking about Jorginho for a quick minute here, Tuchel's come out and said he's playing through the pain. I think big credit to him. He's not always the most favored player or the most right. starstruck player and fans give him a tough time. But when called upon, when needed, I think it's the key word that Jorginho is playing. And he's playing to a high level as well, Rahul. But a couple more names I'm going to talk about. One, I want you to give me a little more information on. And one we'll spend a few minutes later on in the in the segment talking about. Eduardo Mendy back in, in goal. We had speculated in the last episode that it was not only a rest, but maybe a little bit of a wake-up call for Mendy. So uh, tell me a little bit about Mendy. And I want you to keep Rudiger's name in the back of your head because we'll talk about him later on in the segment. I, Mendy was, you know, that he's our first choice. And when we were predicting the lineup, we said we'd like to see him come back because, yes, he made a mistake or two mistakes in that West Ham game, but you can't, can't punish him for that by saying you're dropped for now consecutive games because that would only hurt his confidence and his morale. So it was good to see him back in on, on the face of it. I don't think there was anything major that, you know, he, he did wrong in this game. Uh, maybe on that first goal for Leeds, he could have made more of an effort or put more of an arm out, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and you said, we'll talk about Rudiger. I think we should save that <laughs> yeah. um, as we get into the game. But I think for the starting 11, that's, it's pretty much the standard 11 that you would expect. Fair enough. So let's jump into the game, Rahul. Let's go into that first half. Uh, talk me through some of the first key few moments and let's dissect them as well. I mean, it, as you expect, Chelsea start off, they dominate the ball, they dominate possession, you know, keeping it around, knocking it, knocking it around, getting the wing backs involved. Uh, Reese James, I think you had pointed out over, over a text, was playing a little bit more central, almost as an attacking midfielder at certain points in that first half. Uh, so there were some subtle tweaks and, and things that Tuchel had put into place. And for most of the first 20, 25 minutes, it was all Chelsea. And out of really nothing, uh, we give away a penalty to Leeds. And, and it's almost like one of those instances where you're like, well, it's December. <laughs> <laughs> but Alonso honestly should have been a little more careful and Yes, there was a rash and then a quick challenge on, I believe, Dan James. Uh, it's one of those that you shouldn't be making in the box. You know, it's interesting, Rahul, and a lot of people will blame Alonso and scream at Alonso. And was it a poor tackle? Yes. Could he have done better? 100% yes. But I seem to remember when Ben Chilwell had come in after a lengthy spell out, his first, first game back, he gave a similar tackle. Southampton, was, yep. Exactly. Just kind of weak, just kind of lack of focus. But Alonso has been playing now for a few games in a row. He's really our only left wing back. Uh, attacking wise, Rahul, I can't complain too much about Alonso. I think he's one of the best attacking left wing backs out there. In fact, you and I have said, if we're ever struggling for goals, stick that man up front because he's definitely great in the attacking third. But defensively, we've always had concerns about Alonso. What do we need to do? Because he's going to be our starting left wing back for the next few weeks, at least. 
No, I think that point you raised about Ben Chilwell is, is excellent uh, because I remember he came in against Southampton and, and gave away that penalty and everyone was almost like we've been asking for him to come back and, and this is what happens. Uh, it's one of those things, it's match fitness, it's match sharpness like we've spoken about in the past with uh, being out of the team. Yes, Alonso has played uh, every game since Chilwell's been out. I think that's Manchester United, Watford, West Ham, Zenit he came on and now um, Leeds. So that's five games that, yes, he was out, but he's getting back into it. And credit to him because when we talk about that second goal, he was heavily involved in it. So uh, he does the attacking piece like you were saying and then the defensive side, I think, uh, maybe a little bit more stay on your feet. Don't jump into tackles or, or make rash tackles would be my piece of advice to him. But um, he knows what he's doing. He's been in this business for a long, long time. And, and a lot of Chelsea managers have favored him. So um, can't really say too much more. We'll chalk it down to December. Like you said, Rahul, sometimes December goes us and gets us nuts <laughs> and crazy here. So, uh, but Mendy, Mendy, could he do better for that penalty? I mean, Rafinha is in great form, steps up to it, kind of does a little bit of a hop, skip and a jump Jorginho. similar to Jorginho. Yeah, I think Jorginho even spoke to him about it after the game, but wasn't the most powerful uh, penalty that I've ever seen. Wasn't the most uh, far away put penalty that I've ever seen. And Mendy was kind of in that angle, but almost seemed to give up. Yeah, I think he was caught in two minds, really. And I think the hop, jump, and skip from Rafinha almost threw him off in that he might have been expecting it, and then it happens. And in the moment, he's like, do I go left? Do I go right? And in, the, in that much split-second decision-making, he really does nothing. And even though, if you think about it, if he really throws an arm out, a strong arm, he most likely saves it. Uh, but I think he gets caught in two minds, and, and that's enough for... Um, Leeds and Rafinha to put them one up. Yeah, so before we move on to the next quick segment that happened in that first half, uh, Mandy, is he in uh, lack of confidence? Is he, you know, missing some form or is this just kind of a quick blip that we're going through right now? I mean, I think it's just a blip. I wouldn't, wouldn't say he's out of form. I wouldn't say, you know, we need to seriously think about the next few games with Mendy. Uh, because he was, he made some good saves in that game. And again, I don't want to use this as an excuse, but it seems like everyone, as soon as December 1st hit, everyone at Chelsea has, something's come over them and, and they're not being themselves. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next segment, Rahul. Let's talk about the equalizer coming from your man, Money Mason Mount. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, great pressing from Chelsea. The ball comes out from the Leeds goalie kind of towards the midpoint of the half. And who else but Marcus Alonso is the one pressing and wins it right away from, from Leeds and drives right down the wing uh, and puts a ball in, which is met by, like you said, Mason Mount, who himself had made a great run into the box yeah. to occupy and, and distract Leeds defenders. Uh, and he connects with it and f- finishes up near post. And honestly, the Leeds goalie... We said Mendy should have done better. He really could have, yeah. if he saw what was about to happen, would have saved it. But credit to Mason Mount and Alonso. It was a beautiful move that 
uh, Mason Mount finishes off and then sticks the sign to to the <laughs> Leeds fans. Yeah, and that's the part I want to dwell on is the fact that I think it's credit to Chelsea, credit to the players in the way that they went about that move. It was very uh, well-performed, well-executed. Alonso dr- drives and drives and drives, puts the pressure on. And I think it's almost, I wouldn't say he wants to make up for the mistake for on the penalty, but I think that's his nature. He always likes to be in that final third, always likes to put pressure. But the ball he digs out from the from the byline almost was beautiful was pinpoint not I don't know if he's looking for Mason Mount but that's when I say credit to Mason for making those runs and finding those spaces to just kind of tap tap the ball into that and if I'm not mistaken that's like three goals and four games for Mason Mount or something like that and you look back to a few episodes ago we were all criticizing Mason Mount about he needs to be more clinical he needs to be more involved in the final third and so Mason, if you're listening, continue to keep doing what you're doing. If you're, if you're just in a run of form, I hope you keep this run of form because I think this is where we need players like Mason coming in from the midfield to help contribute to these kind of goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was his sixth Premier League goal, and, and that yeah. was three in the last four. You're right. So uh, he's hitting some good goal-scoring form, and it was a great time for us to get back into the game or get back onto the score sheet because we were heading towards halftime, and... Uh, I think we were all, us at home and the fans in, in, the, in the stadium at the bridge, we're all sensing that uneasiness that was coming in was, okay, so do we go, here we go again with, you know, Leeds getting the first goal. And uh, honestly, Leeds are, are a tough side to play. I know they had Bamford missing, they had Calvin Phillips missing, but they made it tough for us with that man-to-man marking. And the fact that Mason Mount was able to find himself free in the box it's credit to to him and credit to, I think, the coaching staff because that was something you could see that was maybe put out to the players that pressed them, go hard on them, and, and it, it paid off. It did indeed. And we go into that first half, 1-1 one, one, uh, takeaway. It's something that Tuchel can maybe take less pressure from right. or maybe scream a little less at the players because it, it seems to be the theme over the last three or four games where we don't necessarily wake up till somebody gives us a goal and then we go, Oh, we need to react now. And I know Tuchel's mentioned that in several press conferences where we need to be kind of on the forefront rather than reacting, but it is what it is. We go one, one into halftime, no changes at the half, but what happens after that Rahul in the second half? Same similar start Chelsea are dominating Chelsea have most of the ball. uh, And, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to find the, the, goal to put us in lead in the lead and Rudiger steps up this time around and it almost I don't mean to make a comparison here but I'm almost thinking if we had a Lukaku type of figure in there similar to what Rudiger does for this goal where he's holding it up and and trying to get into the box Um, maybe this would have been a different story but anyway Rudiger gets a beautiful ball dinked over to him from Alonso uh, and Rudiger, kind of like left winger, is about to dribble past or or is actually waiting for this foul yeah. to come in from Rafinha. And Rafinha gets in and, and puts in a tackle. And initially, that's given as a corner. And, and the commentators and everyone are like, hmm, is that a penalty? And VAR, to their credit, come in and say, you need to go take a look to the ref. And he looks at it and, and gives it a penalty. Yeah, so Rafinha goes from hero to villain very, very quickly between the span of two halves there. And Raul, I must admit, in fact, I actually messaged you about this. When I looked at it, I thought it was kind of a soft penalty. You and I discussed it over text, and uh, we concluded that we'll accept the penalty because we're in a (laughs) tough situation right now. And and by the way, for the people listening out here, that's really kind of a 
interesting relationship that Rahul and I have is that we always message on text message about what's going on with the game. And sometimes you can feel the emotion in a text message. And sometimes <laughs> you can't. But for this one, there was a good heated debate about whether it was a penalty or not. But look, it's a penalty. And uh, who steps up to finish it? Jorginho steps up and I guess shows Rafinha how it's, it's really <laughs> done, uh, even though they both scored. But Jorginho steps up, makes it 2-1. Uh, and I guess that's a second consecutive consecutive home game where we won a penalty and he stepped up and, and put it away. So uh, he seems to be in some good penalty scoring form, which is <laughs> which is good because that seems to be one of the ways we find goals uh, in the last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, that's always good to have someone like Jorginho specialist, on there again. Right? Yeah. Specialist at that style, at that finishing, at penalties in general especially when you're under pressure. And when I mean pressure, I don't mean for the Leeds game, Rahul. I mean for all of December and even maybe the week before December, we've kind of been a little bit shaky and a little bit nervous. And so I think those are the times that I appreciate Jorginho because you you know you've got someone who's, for lack of a better word, a veteran, someone who's got that experience that's going to say, not worried about anything going on. My my job's to bury that goal. And he, he does it really well. He does. And in 2-1, and then all of a sudden you're thinking uh, – 20, 30 minutes ago, we were one down and we've come back strong. And that's what you want to see from, from the Chelsea squad. Uh, but at that point, as soon as that second goal goes in, I think we both texted each other, we need to kill this game now. Yeah. Uh, because we knew as long as it's 2-1, the doors open, Leeds are a good team. They're going to throw everything at it. Uh, and we just wanted to see maybe a Pulisic, maybe a Lukaku, maybe a, a, a Ziyech come on and, and find that key goal that would make it 3-1 and at 3-1 it's a it's a different feeling right in, in the stadium amongst the players amongst the coaching staff but that doesn't happen we almost tend to just go through the motions and, and think we'll defend it and, and get out of it but again like we said Leeds were going to throw everything at it and they did in the form of a youngster uh, in Joe Gelhart and he comes on and within I want to say two or three minutes finds himself on the end of a cross which makes it 2-2 yeah, lovely finish from Joe Gelhart. And I know that there's a lot of positive praise coming out of the Leeds camp about this young man, that he could be a big player to come for them. And it, it's nice to see, even as a Chelsea fan, when you hear a 19-year-old Leeds boy scoring a goal, you know, great, they've got something on their hands. But I want to kind of focus a little bit on Thomas Tuchel now, Rahul, because this isn't the first, second, or necessarily even third game that you and I, who are our measly fans in the corner texting back mm-hmm. and forth, saying, make a change, make a change. He almost is waiting for the game to play out, almost waiting for something different to happen rather than being like, let me make a positive change to control the game. Some of his substitutions, of course, in Leeds, but recently have been very reactive rather than proactive of let me do something to change this game. And and some of the things that happen is like, okay, you can be reactive, but they're also very late in the game where – we didn't have to wait for Leeds to score. They were actually kind of putting pressure and building up towards this. And you're talking about Joe Gellhart scores in the 83rd minute, but maybe from the 70th minute, you could see Leeds kind of building up to this and nothing, no change was coming after that. There wasn't. And I think we were, we were like, okay, where's Lukaku? Where's Pulisic? Where's Hudson Adoy? Or where is anyone on the bench that's about to come in? Because I think we could sense that we needed some kind of, energy some kind of input from the bench that would 
maybe drive us on and get us that third goal. But that first sub doesn't come until the 74th minute, which is a long time. We scored in the 58 from Jorginho's right. penalty. So almost 20, maybe 15, 20, 18 minutes later is when we see a, a change come in. And look, you and I are sitting at home watching on TV. Right. We have no understanding of what's happened in training, what has been discussed. Uh, Tuchel probably was seeing something that we weren't and wanted to maybe just give those boys some confidence and say, I believe in you. I think you can get me through this game and get us through and get us the third goal. Uh, so there's a lot of little pieces that we're obviously missing. And as passionate fans, we just want to see our team come out and go for the kill. Uh, but we don't. And in, in this case, we get bailed out a little bit later. Uh, we'll discuss the third goal. We get bailed out. But in other games, we haven't, like against Burnley and, and Man United. And I think that's where we're saying don't wait till the 74th, maybe 68, 65th minute, you throw on a Pulisic or a Hudson-Odoi and give them some time to to settle into the game and do what they can do and maybe get a third goal. Yeah, and I think that's where we want to kind of share this information on. It's not that I'm a Tuchel hater by any means or Thomas Tuchel out, but we were critical of Frank Lampard. We were critical of Mauricio Sarri where the changes would come late. The changes would be predictable. Now, I'm not saying Tuchel's changes are predictable, but they are coming late uh, in the game. And you, and you wonder, it's like, you're an experienced manager. You, you've been there, done that. Yes, we're struggling with injuries. Of course, you know better than Rahul and I sitting at home, texting back and forth. But, but at the same time, I could see it from a mile away that Leeds were slowly growing in confidence, slowly getting back into the game. And so whatever change you need to make, because I personally, I saw Timo Werner struggling for a long time. I saw Kai Havertz struggling for a long time. Now, I know he made some changes in defense, but it's one of those things where if you bring on a Lukaku, if you bring on a Callum, someone who can hold the ball or run with the ball to get us out of sticky situations, it would make a world of difference. But obviously that doesn't happen. It's 2-2 Rahul and he brings on Lukaku in the 85th minute. But uh, talk to me about how some divine intervention comes in to save the day. That divine intervention is called Antonio Rudiger because <laughs> he, again, look, this man for whatever reason, decided that playing left center back was, was getting a little boring. And so he wanted to turn into a left center forward and, and end up in the box again. And a ball comes in from Mason Mount. And again, this might've been a tactic where in the right. past we've seen teams throw in a center back into the mix and at least in the final few minutes and Rudiger's there, he gets a ball in from Mason Mount and a bad, honestly, a bad decision from, from the Leeds defender to, really kick from behind yeah. Rudiger to get the ball in. It's a straightforward penalty uh, that the referee doesn't even wait for VAR. He gives it himself and VAR confirms it. And in the 94th minute, Jorginho steps up once again and uh, the Leeds goalie, Ian uh, Meslier, uh, is is actually on the, on the spot talking to Jorginho and I guess some banter <laughs> is happening and some words are being exchanged. And Jorginho unfazed by all of it steps up again and makes it three, two, you know, Jorginho, before he takes that penalty, he probably needs to start shaking his arms and legs, because he must be breaking those ice <laughs> in his veins. <laughs> when he steps up Rahul, he is focused. Uh, he knows what he wants to do. There's no fear. And he puts it past him again. And you can see from Jorginho, it's one of those things where 
I, as a Chelsea fan, I hate to admit it, I was ready to take the 2-2. It's been a tough few games. Give me the draw. Let me go back home. Let me reset. And Jorginho says, this is an opportunity. Rudy goes, divine intervention to come play left center forward has helped me. Let me repay the faith to Rudy. Let me repay the faith to the Chelsea fans. And that confidence is what I love about Jorginho is that he doesn't feel afraid. He just does it. And from there, you can see, I wouldn't say I celebrated, but I was just like, just be able to breathe because we need that win. Because of course, Liverpool's going on to win. Not just the city's going on to win, and we need to keep the, keep in in that pack over there. Absolutely, and yes, we were ready to accept two two, but that penalty comes in, like you said, it, some force of some uh, <laughs> some external forces coming into play, and and we get the third goal. Now we've scored two penalties in this game to make it make it three two, but sometimes that's what it takes, and and you got, need that luck. Uh, and I'd rather have that luck in December because that's usually when we run out of luck. Um, <laughs> but look, from that point on, it's 94th minute. You know there's going to be still a couple more minutes, and uh, we tend to manage the game a little better from there. I see Kai Havertz going down and, and trying to hold the ball in the corner. Um, I, he gets fouled. He gets a little feisty. So things were picking up, and, and eventually we did see dirty leads come out, even though earlier <laughs> in the game – Reese James had put in quite a heavy tackle on, on Dan James. He did, yeah. Um, but the game did eventually pick up in the feistiness. And, and even though it ended 3-2, Rudiger again involved in a, in a full-time scuffle, uh, which turned out into Lukaku holding him back. And, <laughs> and we've all seen the videos. But Rudiger did everything he could and got us back into the game. And, and Jorginho steps up and wins it. Maybe we need to talk about the Rudiger intervention, not the divine <laughs> intervention. But no, that's great, Rahul. One, one talking point that comes off of this is uh, more goals conceded. Uh, some of these could have been prevented. Some of them obviously cannot. Where do we go from there? Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea has been very strong about clean sheets in the last 50-odd games or so. But obviously, December is a whole different story for Tuchel here. Uh, what can you tell me about where do we go from here? How do we reset? Do we need to buy somebody? Do we need to train harder? Do we need some injuries to be gone? I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. It's, it's, look, we could say we need to do a lot of things better, but I, at the end of the day, do the basics, right? Uh, if Alonso doesn't jump into a tackle like he does, and look, those things happen and we can sit here and say, yes, we won the game and Alonso should be doing this and we shouldn't be doing that in the moment. Everyone's trying to do their best for the team, uh, but just do the basics right and make the decision-making need to be a little bit more decisive. Uh, and, and we'll get back into keeping those clean sheets. Yes. We've conceded eight goals in a week, which is very unlike two goals, Chelsea, but it's a moment where you, you just kind of have to get through it and, and then you'll get back to doing the things that you were doing. Yeah, for me, I think it's one of those where you got to go back to the training ground and take a hard look at some of the things that are going on. Obviously, uh, we can take Alonso out of the mix. It, it's an honest mistake. It happens sometimes. But for the second goal, uh, maybe looking at the lines, maybe looking at how uh, Christensen steps up or Thiago steps back, maybe working more as a team unit. And obviously, I, I do agree with you. There's a couple of injuries here and there. Conte is a big miss. He's right. usually a, a big cover at that uh, that final third when attacking is coming forward. Kovacic, a lot of people don't know the amount of running that he does and keeping the ball uh, makes a big difference because the opposition doesn't have the ball enough to make these changes or make these runs into our box. So a lot of things can be done, but 
Uh, any final thoughts or summary from you on this game? Look, not our best performance, um, not our best game we'll ever have, but we come away with three points and uh, that's something that we can be happy with and be proud of. But I don't think we can get carried away and say Chelsea are you know back and, and we're now going to go on and push on here because uh, other teams are watching the issues we're having and, and I'm sure the players themselves realize that you don't beat Juventus 4-0 and then have some of the results that we've had. Right. Uh, so it's a little bit of confidence, a little bit of maybe fatigue setting in and, and some nervousness coming in, but I'll just tell the players do the basics and everything else will flow. Hope it does. Hope it flows smoothly over the next few weeks here. But this weekend was a weekend of penalties. <laughs> Let's talk about some surrounding teams, namely the ones close to us at the top of the Premier League. Let's talk about Liverpool versus Villa. We covered this in our last episode. It was the return of the prodigal son, Steven Gerrard, Stevie G. Gerrard, he's coming home. Uh, didn't end up as a good homecoming, but how did this one play out? I didn't watch the game uh, because it was the same time as Chelsea's, but from what I've seen, Villa did pretty well. Liverpool were a little sloppy in their finishing, uh, but eventually did end up with a penalty and won it 1-0 from a Salah uh, penalty. And that man again steps up to score a goal. Penalty takes them through. Continuing on with penalties for the weekend, Manchester City versus Wolves. Rahul, what can you tell me about this one? Another game that was tight, but settled by a Sterling penalty this time around. And Wolves were down to 10 because Raul Jimenez had picked up a, a second yellow, which sent him off. Uh, and we're hoping that these two teams don't get those penalties so we can, you know, <laughs> we can maybe go back on top. But it was just a funny weekend because it started uh, with Brentford on Friday night, who, who themselves got a penalty in the 96th minute. Uh, and then it just continued into Saturday with everyone but Arsenal uh, <laughs> had the penalty that decided the game. So uh, wonder if that's ever happened in, in, in the Premier League before. For those statisticians out there, let us know if you know about the details behind this. But, you know, that Manchester City Wolves game was interesting because Raul Jimenez is there talisman and he gets two yellow cards in the span of 48 seconds to get sent off and that changes the tide of the game until then they held on pretty well one of them a soft yellow but the other one just blocking a, a free kick from manchester city and so silly send off there but let's move on rahul leicester versus newcastle you had some faith in newcastle you told me they might have an opportunity here but what was the scoreline at the end of the day it was four nil to leicester and I guess I was trying to be hopeful and, and uh, give our friends in, at the Toon Army in Miami and, and uh, Christian from Kickoff Coffee some hope, but uh, I guess I gave them more hope than, than Newcastle did. Yeah, evidently. And, and good for Leicester because we've covered them quite a bit this season so far, and they've not reached the dizzy heights that we're used to seeing Leicester, but maybe this is a catalyst for them to kind of Maybe they're having a good December compared to Chelsea, Raul. I don't know. Maybe they took our luck. But let's talk about Crystal Palace Everton. I want to spend a few minutes talking about this one. The game finishes 3-1. Crystal Palace go ahead to win 3-1 against Everton. Everton are going through their woes. But there is a special, special, special footballer in this game, but so far in the season for Crystal Palace, and that's Conor Gallagher. Some of you may know this name as a Chelsea youngster, but a Crystal Palace star. What can you tell us about Conor Gallagher, Rahul? He's having a great, great season. It's almost a breakout season. And for people that don't didn't know him from Chelsea, 
he's he's getting them to recognize him and remember the name and he's already in the first four five months of the season had a great season scored his sixth premier league goal today uh, already been called up to england squad and talks of him coming back which i wouldn't mind yeah. <laughs> um but that's the benefit of the lone army or the lone system that we have is we give or we tend to get these players out into clubs that they can get experience in, in Premier League experience in this case, which would set him up not just for Chelsea, but if he decides to join any other team, um, it's great. And we've spoken about this last year. He was at West Brom, which was a whole different experience because you're fighting relegation. You don't have the freedom like he now does at Palace. And this year, kudos to Patrick Vieira and, and the club at Crystal Palace that are giving him the ability and, and the chances to prove himself and he's taking them yeah he scored two goals today first one was a lovely finish from from a beautiful team play together but the second goal my goodness what a banger that was from outside of the penalty box you haven't seen it you got to go look at that one but i think we talk about him rahul and people are talking about conor gallagher because last season he stood out in a west brom squad which is which is a good thing to do just like you've covered West Brom play more defensive, they're not necessarily looking to score four or five goals. And so for a player who appears to be more forward thinking or more of an attacking player to stand out in a West Brom squad is excellent. And for him to go to Crystal Palace to get some game time, Patrick Vieira is almost nurturing him. And he seems to be, dare I say, their star man. Last season, when you talk about Crystal Palace, it's it's Wilfred Zaha that this or Wilfred Zaha came up on the goods and Wilfred Zaha scored the last minute goal. And I watched this game and Wilfred Zaha, while he was on the pitch, I couldn't take my eyes off of Conor Gallagher because everything flows through him, which, I mean, hopefully this can be something big for him to stay a full season with Crystal Palace and then come back to Chelsea in the summer and Tuchel sees a, a position or a place for him in the squad, similar to what we're talking about with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's almost said, play me, boss. Maybe Conor has gone back and is going to come back and say, you're going to have to play me, so... You know, big times for him, big days ahead. Like you said, if he comes back to Chelsea, excellent. If not, hopefully there's a good return that Chelsea can make on nurturing such a talent over here. Yeah, I agree with you. And you have to, for just for a second, we talk about our academy because of the players we see on a regular basis, Reese James, Mason Mount, Hudson Dodoy, Loftus-Cheek. But we have players across the league, Connor Gallagher being one of them. We have Tammy Abraham doing his bit in Roma. We have Tamori doing his bit at AC Milan. And you've almost got to think about all the other academies and, and no disrespect to them. Everybody, you know, puts out good players, but we've put out some great talent in the last few years. And, and these guys are setting themselves up for the next decade or so where they'll be up there performing and, and doing the business. And in some cases with the three guys that I've just mentioned that are not at Chelsea, maybe coming back home. Yeah. I mean, whatever Cobham is doing, they need to continue because if we can continue to push out talent like this and sorry to drag on them this, but Tuchel's actually said the same thing. One of the beautiful things he had seen is a good mix of youth that are coming through a very strong system of youth coming through. And then of course you go find your missing pieces and course, it's, yeah. it's lovely when your missing pieces can be Lukaku who have been at, at Chelsea for a long time, maybe in the future it's Tammy Abraham, who knows, but uh, one last game that we didn't cover last time, Rahul, that was Manchester United uh, seems to be another story with a penalty here again. Yes. And, and late on Ronaldo wins it. Ronaldo steps up and scores and, United now back-to-back -back clean sheets under Ralph Ragnick in 1-0 in wins. And 
it almost reminds me of what we were doing on the tuple earlier or earlier this year, not season <laughs> earlier this year, where he had come in and got us keeping clean sheets and, and winning games and slowly, you know, how that went. So um, it's good to, it's good to see that, you know, United are recognizing the potential that they have in that squad, but it's also a little bit like we seem to be a little fumbly. And if we're not <laughs> careful, that gap that we have could be, could be shortened pretty quick. It can indeed. So let's talk a little bit about the gap. Let's talk about the table. Uh, Manchester City sitting in first with 38 points. The win continues with that level. Liverpool in second with 37 points and Chelsea in third with 36 points. So very tied up at the top, but always got to give a mention to West Ham United in fourth with 28 points and Rahul. Manchester United slowly creeping back up into fifth with 27 points. So a lot of interesting things going on at the top of the table. At the bottom, not much change. Norwich sitting at 20th with 10 points. Newcastle United with that 4-0 drumming today, sitting in 19 with 10 points as well. And Burnley sitting in 18th with 11 points. And so that's how the table is going to look. But why don't we move on and talk about the next game that's coming up this week? Yeah, so quick turnaround midweek fixtures in the Premier League again in our game here is on Thursday, which is against Everton coming to the bridge. That's going to be an interesting one because the return of an ex-manager as well, right? That, that's right. I said we had players across the league. We will now also have managers <laughs> uh, across the league. And Rafa Benitez, who won the Europa League in 2013 with us, comes back. And I don't think he's going to get the reception that maybe some of those players that I've mentioned would get. But... <laughs> Uh, he comes back and he's in quite of a tough position here at Everton. Yeah, he wasn't the most liked manager at Chelsea, not because of what he did for us, but because of previous history with right. Liverpool and things like that. But uh, maybe you can tell me some of Everton's recent re- results for Hull and then we can talk about Chelsea's recent results and let's pick a starting 11. Yeah, so, I mean, Everton started this season very well. They were up there in the top four positions. Everyone was talking about how Benitez, you know, a former Liverpool manager had come into Everton and and had got the good start, which I think helped things with the fans. But since October, things haven't gone to plan. And in the last five, we just spoke about the Palace defeat. They beat did beat Arsenal earlier in the week, uh, but had then have been have lost to Liverpool, lost to Brentford, lost to Man City. So it's not looking good, and um, it almost makes you wonder about Arsenal in there. <laughs> Um, but now Everton come away to, you know, come away to the bridge and I'm trying to think in the most recent of times, we've always gotten a result against them, at least at the bridge. But this is just one of those games where similar to Arsenal, Chelsea in, in December tend to be in a mood to just give away points. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. And you talk about the losses, Rahul. Look, you know, Manchester City, no shame in losing there. Liverpool, no shame in losing there. Uh, they lose to Brentford, but Brentford, if you remember earlier on the season, were a very formidable side. In fact, it was a very difficult opponent to break down. And then, of course, Palace, I think it's the Conor Gallagher effect. And so if anything can go wrong for, for Chelsea, it could be in this game. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but let's look at our previous five results, give or take. A win against Leeds, lost against West Ham, win against Watford, and then draw against United, and then a win against Leicester. So we've gone through our ups and downs as well, and that shows you our December uh, form but let's talk about a starting lineup why don't you give me a predicted 11 please you said no shame in losing to Liverpool I think the Evertonians will disagree <laughs> uh, but talking about our starting 11 I think Mendy keeps his spot 
I think Christensen might come in. We saw Espelicueta uh, getting subbed in that in towards the end of that game against Leeds and um, giving a, a kiss to the Leeds fans on the way out, which was a nice <laughs> moment to 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 see. Uh, but I think Christensen, Thiago Silva, Rudiger as a back three, James, Jorginho, or Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Alonso uh, in in the middle. And I think Pulisic has to start in this game. Uh, hopefully, uh, Mount and Lukaku. Yeah, look, I mean, the back three seems to be pretty solid, at least with Thiago and Rudiger. You seem to see them almost every week. Uh, your wing backs pretty much pick themselves. Georgie and RLC have to be our standard due to injuries. The front three is where it always gets interesting. Pulisic, uh, does Tuchel not favor him, Rahul? He doesn't always get uh, as ga- many games as we think he should. Yeah, again, I I don't want to be too critical of Tuchel because we know Pulisic's injuries and the issues that he's had, and it could really just be the club and Tuchel and the coaching staff managing that and not overplaying him and giving him the time. And on the outside looking in, we're like, well, Pulisic's fit. He should be playing. He's our best attacking player. He attracts players, blah, blah, blah. But we don't know the the little details. And at least that's what I think is what's holding Tuchel from unleashing Pulisic. But he hasn't played since, I think, the Zenit game. So it'd be a week between these two games. And I think it'd be a good opportunity to see what Pulisic can bring uh, to that attacking and the return of Lukaku to a, a former club of his as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, again, we asked for Lukaku and, and we don't get it. So I don't want to get too excited, <laughs> but it would be great to see Lukaku playing and Everton who have been having issues with keeping clean sheets would be uh, maybe the right opportunity to get Lukaku back onto the score sheet in the league. So speaking of score sheets, what's your predicted score for this game? Ooh. <laughs> See, I predicted 2-2 in the Leeds game. And, you did? And, you did? And everyone said, well, we're not going to concede two against Leeds. This is Chelsea in December. Anything is <laughs> possible. Uh, so to that effect, I'm going to go for a 1-1 because we, like I said, December, we give away points. It's Christmas time. We want everyone to feel good. So uh, as much as I'd hate for it to be 1-1, I think it's that's where we'll be. Fair enough. I mean, that's your opinion on this one. Rahul, I'm going to go for an aggressive <laughs> Three nail result for Chelsea. Wow. And Chelsea, we need a goddamn <laughs> clean sheet. So whatever Christensen, Thiago, Rudiger, Mendy, James, along all of you guys, please keep a clean sheet. So hopefully that's how it plays out for us. Clean sheet. We haven't kept one since Leicester away, which was yeah. mid mid-November. So it's almost coming up to a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is unheard of for, for our team. So um if we get a clean sheet, I'll be happy and it'll set us up. Well, for our next game, which is Brentford in the in the Car- Carabao Cup, Carling Cup. I think so. Um, but let's just real quick look at some of the other games. I know um, we're coming up on time here, but midweek fixtures. We've got Brentford, Man United, which should be good with Brentford getting some form. Uh, Man City, Leeds, that should be should be fun as well. And Arsenal, West Ham, London Derby. Yeah, that should be good. And then Leicester, Tottenham. So some fun games in midweek. And usually these midweek games tend to throw up some good results in high-scoring games. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye out for it. And I think that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. And if you ended up watching this on Spotify as part of the new video podcast feature, 
uh, do let us know, send us your feedback. Uh, but we will be back later this week with a new episode uh, doing a Everton review and a Brentford preview. But until then, stay safe and up the chels.